Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. I am back from vacation, feeling very well rested. Uh, and it's a good thing because it is a huge day of news in the NBA as we have the LeBron watch. The summer of LeBron is now officially over. So we're going to blow that out. We're going to have a, this is our free agent special. And our boy Raja is out today. I was really bummed for that, but he has a, a family issue, a death in the family that he's taken care of. So our condolences to Raja and his family. Uh, and we told him to take as much time as he needs because uh, family is the most important thing to him and to us. So make sure he uh, takes care of his family and our thoughts and prayers go out to him. And uh, we're going to keep it moving. So we've got LeBron to the Lakers. It is a done deal reported last night. I'm driving home from the airport from my vacation from the Miami airport. I get the text from Debo, say it's done. It is a wrap. So LeBron James, the Lakers, he gets a four-year, $154 million deal. Magic Johnson obviously played a huge part in it, but I was pumped. And this is one of those days where I love what I do. I love what I do every single day to be able to talk about sports for a living. It, it's the, the easiest job in the world. But this day made, is, is a little bit extra special. And I could not even sleep last night because I was excited to come talk about it today because I was still waiting to see if any other piece of the puzzle dropped. And they did, uh, as Lance Stevenson also joined the Lakers as well. But this this is just one of those days where it's it's a great time to be a sports fan, and there's no bigger news than you're going to find that the Lakers get LeBron. So, Debar, are you as pumped as I am? No. No, you're just no. Yeah, you're you know, a Sixers. You know guy, why? So you're like, eh. I'm frustrated that the uh, the brand kind of outweighed the process because over the past couple of years, the Sixers and Lakers have had the worst records in the NBA collectively. But over that time span, the Sixers have kind of done things right, put together the pieces. That would have allowed LeBron to thrive. The Lakers dished out irresponsible deals, but it ultimately didn't matter. But, hey, that's the nature of the NBA. That's the nature of having a team in Los Angeles that's not named the Clippers. You kind of saw it coming. But people act like he's sacrificing this this legacy for lifestyle. I, I don't think that's the case. Are you surprised, though, this came on July 1st before uh, other teams and other players decided their destinations and before the Lakers really added any pieces around LeBron or do you think that just comes with LeBron being there and then the pieces come so I was I think I think the entire NBA world was stunned that it came this early before July 4th uh before you saw now you saw Paul George you saw that domino drop over the weekend we're gonna get to that later but I think everybody was assuming that you would see kind of this big rollout of all right they're going to land Kawhi. They're going to land Boogie Cousins. And it's LeBron. And you kind of announce this team together. And you say, all right, these are the pieces that are going to be in place. But I, I think there's a couple of things. Because I think LeBron wants to control the message. And I think I think he knew it would leak out sooner or later. So why try to hide it? Just get it out there. I'm a little bit surprised it didn't come out uninterrupted on his, uh, you know, on his venture. Uh, that he didn't kind of control the message that much. But this is, I think, at a stage in LeBron's career where he's like, all right, I'm the best player in the world. I'm going to make the announcement. You guys come follow me. Like, I think that's literally where he is right now, uh, where he can just go and say, I'm going to sign and we'll see what happens. 
I think it shows a tremendous amount of confidence in his own abilities saying, hey, if we get Kawhi this year or next, it's great. If And if we don't, it's going to be okay. If we get Boogie Cousins, it's great. If we don't, I'm going to be okay. Uh, I do think he's at a point because I've always – this is one of my favorite things about LeBron James is that he wants to win a championship more than anything else. I don't think that changed, but I think there's been less of an emphasis put on it, if that makes sense, because I think LeBron does worry about other things outside of basketball, and I think there are other priorities, and I think that's okay, uh, because I think, yes, it makes sense that his family is set up out there where they do have two homes, and I think it is going to be an easy move for his kids to play basketball and to find good schooling. I think it it is going to be easier for LeBron – to continue his, you know, ventures in Hollywood, whether it's TV shows, movies, uh, producing or acting, doing both, as we've seen him do both of those roles. I think it does make sense for him to rely on Magic Johnson as a mentor type, because there aren't many people that can say to LeBron, hey, man, this is how you do it. Like, LeBron is not going to look at many people and really respect and you know, taking into serious consideration things they're telling him. But if you get in a meeting with Magic Johnson, he starts starts telling you what he did his post-career and the type of mogul that he's become outside of the sport of basketball. And then I think you that sounds really, really attractive if you're LeBron James. So I think from that type of a standpoint, I think it makes a ton of sense for LeBron. And I, I think I don't think it's crazy to think that LeBron could contend, too, for championships. And now – People always say, well, Golden State, and there's a ton of memes on the Internet saying, you know, the, the, the Warriors, you know, got Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are like, whatever. This doesn't even doesn't even wake them from their slumber like they don't care at all. And there's no way this this roster, as it's constituted now, is going to beat the Golden State Warriors. But I think there's still you don't a lot like of JaVale McGee made. at the five. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to be the answer for this team. Uh, but I think it, what you saw. From LeBron James last year, I've said this several times, I think it was the greatest season-long accomplishment of his entire career. I think there have been moments where he's been better, game sevens where he's been better, you know, finals, uh, you know, getting ending the season with the ring that have been better. But as far as season-long, putting a team on his back, dragging them to the finals, and even though they got swept, I still think it was one of the best accomplishments, if not the best accomplishment of LeBron James' career taking that team to the finals. I think he could drag this team really far through the playoffs. Now, again, I don't think it's going to be this roster, but if it was worst-case situation and you had a starting five of LeBron James, JaVale McGee, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, uh, Pope, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram, I think that's just as good a roster as he had in Cleveland last season, and he could take this team pretty deep in the in the Western Conference playoffs. I don't think he would get to the Western Conference finals, but I think you'd get him through round two. I think you could get you could get some wins in the in the postseason. As much as we talk about the strength of the Western Conference, and it has been an issue for the NBA, we're gonna get to that in a little bit about how I think the playoffs are gonna be reworked. I think it's over exaggerated somewhat. I think, you know, for people to say, oh, LeBron's gonna be a, a six, seven or eight seed because they don't have the pieces. I think LeBron is the best player in the world, and I think he can he can do things with this team that nobody else could do. Because we've we've looked at him, and this guy has defied all the odds throughout his entire career uh, that he can do it again with this one. 
I do think it'll be much tougher, but I don't think it's impossible for LeBron to even take this team to the NBA Finals maybe in year two when you get another couple feature pieces alongside him. So that that brings us to the, the, the most obvious transition is Kawhi Leonard. Like, all right, is that going to be the next piece of this? I... I think it's at 50-50. San Antonio has made it very clear publicly uh, through, you know, floating sources that there is no way that they're going to trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. I would say that that is basically a negotiating tactic. I think they're making it very clear that to the Lakers, hey, we're not going to make it easy for you. We're not going to just, you know, take your first offer. But I do think a deal could be worked. I'd put the odds at 50-50. Like, I think there is a chance that Kawhi could still go to the Lakers this season. Uh, I think there's a greater chance, if you look at the 50-50 odds, I would take the other half, that he ends up somewhere like Philly or Boston uh, for a one-year type of lease situation where they say, all right, we'll take you for a year. Maybe we get the long-term deal if you like it here. But ultimately, you might not see Kawhi Leonard for another year in a Lakers uniform, and then all of a sudden it's on. Because if you get LeBron and Kawhi Leonard together, then I think you could challenge Houston for sure, and Golden State you could give a run for their money. But that, it does, like, it's, like, the most interesting thing about this is that it's not over. Like, what else is going to take place before the start of the NBA season? And even in the next few weeks, as we see what moves the Lakers could potentially make because they do have some young pieces that they could move. They do have a Kyle Kuzma uh, that they could shop around to San Antonio. They do have a Lonzo Ball. While I'm on Lonzo Ball, I don't think there's any chance, and I'm saying this right now, I don't think there's any chance that LeBron and Lonzo are on the court together as as in Lakers uniforms. Zero chance. Zero chance. I don't think, and I think this is one of the unwritten deals that was in that conversation with Magic Johnson, where LeBron said, I don't want to have to deal with LeVar Ball. And, and Magic said, done. I don't even think it took 30 seconds for that to be resolved. And I, I will be shocked, Debo, if LeBron and, and Lonzo are on the court together at any point. And in year one, I don't think it makes it to the season. I think Lonzo will be shopped, and I think he will be dealt uh, by the Lakers. Makes it a little bit tougher with his torn meniscus, the injury issue. But I think that's a simple – because, look, it also is the easiest out for Magic and the Lakers to say see you later to Lonzo Ball, who, like him or not, uh, he's a UCLA product. He's a local product. Everybody – you know, the fans like him. I think it's the easiest way to get rid of the headache that is LeVar Ball. Uh, so I think they'll move on from him. You don't, you, don't, you, you think there's a chance that he plays with – you think that Lonzo will be on the roster with LeBron? I think there's a chance. I think that injury plays a part of it. I just think the headache of LeVar becomes minimal when you have a guy like LeBron and the attention that he gets. Obviously, there's going to be some stories circulating about their relationship and maybe if Lonzo doesn't get the ball enough or LeBron's handling it. Uh, most of the time, I think LeVar would start to talk, but the circus is around LeBron. The circus goes away from LeVar at that point. How quickly you forget to get, get my name out your mouth uh, comment that LeBron had to uh, LeVar Ball when he talked about his son. Like, you can do a lot of things, but if you criticize somebody's kids, like, that's unforgivable. And that's where I feel like LeBron, and I disagree with you, because I think LeVar is a circus in itself like we've never seen before in sports. And I hear what you're saying about LeBron being the main attraction, and it's Hollywood. But LeVar, can you imagine after a couple games in, if they lose a few games, 
LeVar Ball saying, hey, LeBron's got to pass it more to Lonzo. He's got to let Lonzo knock down buckets. Or, you know, why isn't Lonzo getting his shots? Like, that's not a headache that LeBron wants to deal with. And I don't think it's a headache that the Lakers want to deal with either. So I think – How about Lonzo tweeting, though? He said, y'all really thought he was going to pass up the greatest city in the world acting like they're <laughs> going to definitely be teammates. Hashtag the king is here. Lonzo, yes, Lonzo might not be there, though. Feels- yeah, Lonzo obviously feels good about his chances of playing with, and he should. Like he, right now he is a Laker, so he has to say that. Everybody, even Kobe's singing the praises of LeBron to, uh, to the Lakers, which I'm sure publicly that's the only message you're going to get, but it does bring up, all right, who's the greatest player ever to, uh, to don the Lakers uniform LeBron once James. LeBron puts it on. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how that, uh, plays out down the road, but I'd love to know Kobe's true thoughts on that. Um, so speaking of headaches, because if they can't land Kawhi Leonard this season, do they try to get Boogie Cousins? Because I think that's a, a move that makes a lot of sense on a short-term deal. You bring in DeMarcus Cousins, you get yourself instantly a big who can contribute and can make this team a lot better than some of the pieces of the puzzle they have now. Maybe instantly contribute, though, because he is coming off that Achilles, which he might not even be ready for the start of the season. Maybe. But all you need, all you need is for, again, all you need is to get in the playoffs and have a chance towards the back end of the playoffs. Like you want to have, you want to have yourself positioned. So it's so you're saying really if matter. Boogie's healthy by the All Star break, exactly. That's all you need because all all you need is get to the playoffs and have a chance. Once it's all about getting a seat at the table in the NBA because you you know you got seven game series. All you need is a chance. And I, but the thing that's interesting about Boogie and, and LeBron is how do they mix? Because Boogie's been a guy who's been labeled a coach killer in Sacramento. He's been very up and down production-wise throughout his career. Does he finish games? He's been uh, mercurial, to say the least. Like That's a, a good guy word. Who's That's a good shown, word. Yeah, you like that? So he's shown a lot of immaturity. But is he a player who would come into a situation where he looks up to LeBron and LeBron can take him under his wing and say, hey, this is how we do it. This is how we're going to get you better. This is how we win. And you can fall in line and we can we can do something special here. If if DeMarcus Cousins did that, talent-wise, it'd be a home run. But if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't like, you know, any like the harping on the defensive side of the ball, LeBron riding him, because LeBron will get on his teammates. He will get on them. We've seen the looks that he's given some of his guys on the court. Uh, he's not afraid to chew you out. He's not afraid to take that leadership role and ride you really hard to get you to that next level. If If Cousins doesn't like that, it could end in disaster, too. So I think that could be a fascinating and situation. And you said it, it's key to target that one-year deal, remain uh, flexible with the cap. The Lakers put themselves in a great cap position, so they were able to get LeBron. Did you believe the reports at all that LeBron was in contact with KD about potentially joining him on the Warriors? KD signed a one-plus-one-year deal, so he'll have that option to become a free agent, unrestricted free agent, again next summer. Do you think there's an option or a look at the summer of 2019 as a potential spot to add more free agents for the Lakers beyond just Kawhi Leonard if they don't acquire him in a trade? Yes. I think in this league where the drama off the court is more entertaining than the product on the court the last couple of years. I think anything is possible to, to quote from uh, Kevin Garnett from our boy KG, anything is possible uh, in the NBA. So I w- it would not surprise me at all uh, if you saw a move like that uh, where you could possibly see, because, and that's the, the smartest part about this for LeBron is the fact that you were in LA, you're on 
you know, you're on the Showtime Lakers. It's not, you know, not the Showtime Lakers of old, but this could be a resurgence of a franchise that's had a share of tough times as of late. And it's a destination location where guys want to go. They realize, hey, it's like, it's, it's the equivalent of the Yankees and, uh, in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, it's the equivalent of the Cowboys in the NFL or a team where you just, you know, if you go there, your brand instantly, uh, increases incrementally because of the, the city and the franchise that you're in. Speaking of signings, Debo, the move that kind of, I think, surprised a lot of people was Lance Stevenson joining the Lakers, which I think was a genius move. But again, I do feel like it's a, it's a home run or a strikeout type move where it could end ugly. But I think it caught up, uh, people a lot off guard, much like it would have like, but I think this kind of tells you something about Lance Stevenson and about LeBron too, because this has been his nemesis, right? This has been the guy that has, uh, constantly been needling him, blowing in his ear, talking trash, smacking him in the face, trying to do every little thing he could do to get under LeBron James' skin. And at times it looked really petty and it looked childish and it looked awful. But at times, you know what? It worked uh, at times uh, when he was able to get LeBron out of his element. And I think LeBron has an appreciation for a player like that that a lot of people might get irritated by but can play incredible defense and can contribute and can be a guy who knows his role on a LeBron James-led team. And I think that's where... Again, if it, if it works, I think it could be a, a, a great addition for the Lakers. And I think it, I think it kind of was like, when we've talked to Rasha about this too, about Kobe and him reaching out to playing together at the end of his career. And, you know, it just didn't work out for Raja and Kobe playing together, but it would have been similar. Like those guys, you, everybody said, Oh, they hate each other. Like they, they can't stand each other on the court. It's gotten ugly. They've had their scuffles, but there's a tremendous amount of respect back and forth between there was between Kobe and Raja. And there, there is between LeBron and Lance. And what I is think that like, though? Is that, cool. is that like John Starks going to join Michael Jordan if that ever happened? Or, or a Reggie Miller? Reggie was better than Lance. But uh, yeah. what's the equivalent Which, of that? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it is that. It is that type of – because I would have – like I think when you're watching their series versus Indiana this past season, like you're thinking, man, LeBron cannot stand this dude. Like, And you could see it on his face. Like he hates him. But I think this is the ultimate sign of respect and being able to leave your feelings on the court, which I think a lot of fans have a hard time grasping that because, look, it's human nature. If you're fighting with somebody, you know, whether it's in your family, whether it's a friend you've had, you you break off a relationship, whether it's somebody at a, a rival company, whatever it is, it's really hard to picture you being friends with that person. But if you if you bring them in and you get to know them as somebody else of, of, apart from the person you faced on the court, you're like, hey, this guy this guy's not as bad as I thought. And even more so, you could see him as a valuable asset on your team. Which is, I think that's the way LeBron views everything. It's can this guy help me win a championship? And I think that's the way he he views Lance Stevenson. So from that standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense. We can't take credit for this, but in 1992 we had the dream team. 2008 we had the redeem team. This one being labeled the meme team. Do you like that? <laughs> I, hey, nothing is more 2018 than the meme team, right? LeBron, in- Lance, JaVel, and you know who else is a free agent? Swaggy P. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine if that happened, too? This back is like, in L.A. Chuck, yeah, back to L.A. I actually like it. And I think in a, in who embraces social media the most? Which sport? The NBA. And it's not even close how much they do that. So good for them for being able to do it. One thing I did want to get to was 
I, I mean, there's such a stark contrast between this exit from Cleveland and the exit from Cleveland with the decision uh, when LeBron announced he was going to go to Miami. And for obvious reasons. I, mean, I know I'm stating the obvious, but I, I was a little bit concerned about how it would be perceived from Cleveland. Like, would they feel slighted at all? Would they be disappointed? Would there be anybody? I have not seen one person from Cleveland crush LeBron. And that's good. Like, no, I think that's a sign no of No jerseys burning, like none of that stuff. No comic What's sans, that? no jerseys burning, no comic sans. The statement from the Cavaliers and Dan Gilbert, yeah, so, all so complimentary. Also, yeah, and not only that, did you see the, speaking of memes, like there was a gift going around where the fan lays out the LeBron jersey and it yeah. looks like it's like this classic one where you're going to burn it and instead he places down a note and it says, thank you, LeBron. Um, oh, I saw is, the one it, where he removed the LeBron jersey and underneath it was just a picture of Steph and KD saying, hey, we couldn't do anything this time around. We got our one championship, which ultimately is all that matters for the city of Cleveland. There's been a look, the relationship between LeBron and Dan Gilbert has been well documented. You know, the letter that he wrote in the newspaper when he left for the decision, which was scathing and basically ripped him and tore him to shreds, as opposed to the statement that you got now where he, you know, the depth of gratitude that was there referenced the date of the finals when he brought the championship back to Cleveland, calling him a family man, uh, talking about the looking forward to the retirement of the number 23 Cavs jersey one day down the line. Like, I think it's, I think it's, it's just funny to look at how far things have come in a good way uh, in a situation that was really ugly and LeBron, like, as all the legacy talk gets talked about, like, where does he stand versus MJ? I think it was a great decision for him to go back to Cleveland. And I think he's done unbelievable works within the community, uh, you know, pouring money into Cleveland, lifting up an entire city, not just the, uh, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers franchise, but an entire city economically, the impact he had on there. And I think that's probably why it makes it a little bit easier for Dan Gilbert, because he's made him a fortune uh, by bringing that franchise back to relevance. Um, granted, I, I think I don't think they're going to be very good moving forward. I, I almost feel like the Cavs should tear down the roster and start over. Hey, 500 to, to win, win to one. They have. 500 to one to win the finals next year, but we won't talk about that. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch it either. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even touch it with a 10 foot pole. That's not the Golden Knight <laughs> situation, but I don't, I don't know if we ever see LeBron really sitting courtside at Cavs games in the futures like they do with Say the Rockets and Akeem Olajuwon or the Sixers always tried oh, out Allen Iverson. I think he will. I think he will. Not I think with LeBron, Dan Gilbert in charge? Yes. I think, I think this letter is that important to LeBron that I think that would, that's the type of show of respect. And that's why I think Dan Gilbert was very smart to put this out because I absolutely could see that situation where the kid from Akron goes back when he's 45, 50 years old. And takes his grandkids to see a game and sit courtside. I think he'll. And I, what'll be interesting, like when he gets in the Hall of Fame, like does he go in as a Cav? Does he go like how does it end? Yeah, with he goes the, in the as Lakers? a Cav. He's going to go in as a Cav most likely. Uh, but I think this was a smart move for everybody. Like in the end, I think it was a huge success when for Bron him. And I know he just brought back one championship, but I think the move back to Cleveland was a huge success. Well, when he's already off in Europe, we know that he's probably not going to talk for another month, reports say, or really be introduced formally as a Laker for a while. Um, when do you think he made this decision? For me, I think it came consciously when the day Kyrie was traded last year. I think subconsciously it was almost July 4th, 2016, when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. Um, he took a meeting out of courtesy, they say, with the Sixers. Uh, he spoke with GM Kobe Altman of the Cavaliers on the phone after midnight. 
but he knew this was coming, right? Yeah, I would say, look, I always defer to Vegas as far as who knows what. There was a, and he's been, the Lakers have been the heavy favorite, uh, from the, you know, the books out there saying he's going to go to LA. There was a minute where it was Philadelphia. There was a minute where it was going back to Cleveland. I thought there, I think there was probably a, I would, I would say that this was up in the air until a few days ago. I really do. And I think there was a strong lean. Like, I think it's, I think it's one of those circumstances where, yeah, he probably had his sights set on L.A., but maybe there's a chance he could have stayed in Cleveland if they could have. But ultimately, looking at – and I think this is – I think LeBron is one of the smartest superstar athletes we've ever seen. I think this was a calculated, smart decision. And I know you're probably not happy with me saying that with Philly. I would have liked to seen him go to Philly because he would have been in the Eastern Conference. But ultimately, I think this was a smart decision where he took in all, weighed the pros and the cons, and said, this is best for me my family, my career, and my post-playing career, and it really made it an easy decision for LeBron. No, you can't fault him for that. I'm going to laugh if the Sixers end up with Kawhi next year and LeBron is playing with Lonzo <laughs> uh, 36 minutes a game. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so the Lakers are set as far as LeBron goes. Still going to be interested in what piece of the puzzle they move to give him a better chance to get in the NBA Finals. But one piece that definitely isn't going there is Paul George. He's resigned with OKC on the four-year, $137 million max deal that he announced at the party with Russell Westbrook, you know, lavish superstars all over there, concert perform, gets on stage and says, I'm staying with OKC. A surprise to some that he stayed with his Thunder team. For me, I was kind of, you know, there was a lot of consideration. Would he go to LA? Would he possibly move somewhere else? I love it for him. And I know he left a ton of money on the table. If you look at the last couple of years, what he could have done if he had stayed in Indiana. There's been so much speculation uh, about him for the last several years, about him going to L.A. I love it for a couple of reasons. One, I love it for the city of Oklahoma City. Because I think those fans have been bashed and battered, beaten down by Kevin Durant leaving. And everybody kind of, you know, looking at this as a second-rate city and saying, oh, it's a market that nobody wants to play in. And I am guilty of that. I've, I've made that statement myself. But I think it shows, hey, you know what? Sometimes the market that you play in is not the most important decision. But more importantly for me, I think it does say something about Russell Westbrook because he's another player, and I've said it a few times on this podcast. He's one of my favorite players to watch, not because – he's the cleanest player or because his game is the prettiest, but because he plays as hard as it gets and he goes after it. He wants to win and he'll do whatever it takes. And yes, he takes some awful shots in the fourth quarter. Yes. He gets out out of control sometimes. Yes. Sometimes he puts up a gazillion shots, but the guy wants to win and he's been bashed too, because you know, a lot of people said, Hey, you know, when, you know, no one wants to play with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant left him. Why would he leave him? uh, If he's that great of a player. And I think this says something about, Russell Westbrook, or, uh, that he's he's a better teammate than we make him out to be. So I'm I'm actually happy that that happened. But again, it does with as far as Paul George's legacy, and you know, hey, how how badly does he want to win a championship if he's willing to stay in Oklahoma City? I'm not going to bash Paul George for not chasing a ring because that's all we do. So how about just letting the guy play where he wants to play and he's been happy playing? Will they so maybe, ever make the Western Conference Finals with that duo? No, I don't think they will. But I, and I don't, I don't think that's, I don't, again, I'm not going to crush a guy if that's not his most important thing that he's looking for. Is it, is it, is it disappointing? Is it say something about him? Yeah, it probably does tell you something about his personality. 
but I don't think anybody's thought that Paul George was an alpha male that just all he wanted to do was win. You know, I, I think it shows, hey, he's content being where he is. Uh, and I think he's okay with that. But that, that, that's kind of who I think Paul George is. I think he's a, he's the second fiddle, uh, to Russell Westbrook. I think he would have been that in LA. I think there probably would have been a lot more pressure on him in LA. Now he can just kind of go out there and keep playing. They'll be, you know, they'll probably get through a round in the playoffs. They can maybe, if they shock a team, get through the second round. But other than that, I think that's probably the ceiling for that team. Weird, though, that he didn't even take a meeting with the Lakers. You read the pitch. You read the voiceover. The kid from <laughs> yes. Palmdale. Um, the Thunder set to have the largest tax bill in NBA history. But when you're a small market team like that, there's no other option than to re-sign a guy like Paul George. You're not going to get that opportunity again. But do you think that's going to influence deals like like Kawhi, what Oklahoma City did last year, bringing someone into their culture and trying to convince them over the course of a year? Do you think that impacts future trades, or is this just a one-time scenario in Oklahoma City where it happened to work out with Sam Presti and Billy Donovan and having a former MVP in Russell Westbrook? Or Well, them- here's the good news, Debo. Here's the good news if you're Boston or Philly. Is you're saying, why don't we try to do what, okay, and they're, they're different markets. Obviously, they're stronger markets. But if Kawhi is dead set on going to LA, which it does seem like that's what he really wants to do. He's a West Coast guy. Why not give it a shot? Why not see if you can bring him in and develop relationships with some of your young players, develop a relationship maybe with a coach like Brad Stevens and see if you can get him to fall in love with a culture. Cause that's, that's a really good point. Cause if you can get him there, then maybe you've got a chance. And that's more than you've got right now. You know, like, like why not try to get him in there and see what the potential could be and give him a, give him a flavor of what it's like playing in the Eastern Conference. Like, that's that to me is what it's about with Kawhi. Just give him a taste of what it's like playing somewhere else besides San Antonio because, man, he seems miserable out there. And that's all it would take uh, to potentially get him long term. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. Real quick. So, yeah, that does give them hope. If you're but the I think Sixers, it's still going to be tricky. Yeah, real quick. If you're the Sixers, do you part with last year's number one overall pick, Markel Fultz, if the Spurs demand it in a trade? I would absolutely, especially considering how bad he looked on, you know, in some of those videos and, uh, you know, how questionable. They're not, I, mean, I don't want to rip him because he's been hurt, but how questionable his future still remains. I've always believed that you go with the known rather than the unknown. But, but Philly is, does know more so than anybody what he looks like in his rehab, what he looks like when there aren't cameras rolling. They know what, you know, how he's fit in with that roster. But I would say, why wouldn't you take a top five player in the league over Marco Fultz any day of the week? Kawhi might be even more of an unknown, though, than Marco Fultz, which is crazy to think about. Or just this yes. year with, with where he's going to go next year, his injury, his his motives. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a Sixers fan. I would part with Marco Fultz if, I mean, he's a top three player in the NBA. Uh, you, you do that if necessary, but you try to do everything in your power to include the other guys before Markel. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can make that one run because I think if you get Kawhi on, on the Sixers, yeah, and granted the Celtics are the team I think everybody's kind of overlooking because they're going to get, um, Kyrie back. They're going to get Gordon Hayward back. They already showcased a lot of, you know, a talent, young talent that kind of came together. They've got this coach, but if you bring Kawhi to the Sixers and you can keep everybody else healthy, I think they're in the finals. And then again, all you've got to do is get a chance. I think it would be an interesting series. I don't think they would win. But maybe that taste of the finals is what Kawhi Leonard would, would yeah, get him coming back. Shot. All right, so it kind of underscored in all the news that was in the NBA was Chris Paul re-signing with the Rockets on a four-year, $160 million deal. I don't think it was a huge shock. I 
Like, when you look at it, does it make a lot of sense for Chris Paul at 33 years old uh, for the Rockets to commit that much money to him? Or on the back end of this, he's going to be aging. And Chris Paul is going to be aging much faster than LeBron. You know, we talked about Tom Brady and how old he's getting and how many years does he have left. But I do think Chris Paul has a lot more tread on those tires than anybody else that we're talking about giving significant money to. Chris but, Paul's 33 is more like 53, while LeBron's yes. 33 is more like 23. Exactly. But if you're the Rockets and you saw how close you were this season, and you know, you're, I'm sure you're dying to know well, what would have happened if Chris Paul had been health, healthy those last couple games, then I, why not? And if you're in – there's – the salary cap is there. You're going to spend the money. Like, Chris Paul is a guy that's beloved across the league. Like, it makes a lot of sense if you want to keep the pieces together. If you want to have Clint Capella back, you know, get him to a longer-term deal where you can say, all right, this is the this is the heart of the Houston Rockets, then I think it was a no-brainer for the uh, for the Rockets to extend that offer to him. I don't it know, if, be... I don't know if he's loved across the league. It's big, though, that they weren't they didn't have to go that full five-year max because at the end of that being 38 years old, I mean, it's, it seems minimal now, but at the end of that, the Rockets could be in good position. Um, Trevor Ariza, though, really surprising because he's best friends with James Harden, really close with that whole team, leaves on a one-year $15 million deal to join the worst team in the league last year, the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> that hurts. He's their best wing defender, great three-point shooter, that typical 3-and-D guy that you need in the league now. But he just gets up and leaves. I think that's a huge miss for the Rockets for whatever reason not being able to retain him. And that kind of knocks them down almost below the Lakers at this point for me. Yeah, I I wouldn't go that far because I think the current Lakers, as it's constituted now, before we see the final finished product of this roster, I would still, when you're talking about James Harden and Chris Paul, just those two alone with uh, Clint Capella, I think that, that makes them better, more pieces. But if... If, Le- if LeBron is able to add a piece or two that's more significant than the, what they have now, then yes, I would put them there. But you've got, you know, you've got this killer score and James Harden's having an MVP season. And I, I think Chris Paul is a player that's respected and his game translates. I think he's the, he's the alpha male on that team that matters the most. And I think Trevor Ariza was an exceptional piece of the puzzle, but I think he, he can be replaced and it could be painful and it could be a hurt, you know, uh, uh, a deficit for the team, but I think it's one where you have to prioritize who you're going to resign. And when you're given, you know, uh, Chris Paul an extension, we've got to save room for Clint Capella. You, you've got to prioritize. And that's where I think Trevor Ariza was left on the outside. Are you one of these guys that say if Chris Paul was healthy for game six and game seven, the Rockets would be NBA champions right now? No, I'm not. I think he's an important piece. I think the game would have been closer. I think it would have been more entertaining, but I still feel like the Warriors, as great a season as they had, I still don't think we really saw them click on all cylinders except for the, what was it, game two or three when they blew them out by 41. Like that was, like, that's the one you go look and say, all right, well, they had Chris Paul in that game. It sure didn't matter. Right. Uh, I think it was game three, right? The first game back in, in Golden State when they absolutely blew them out. Like that was really the only time we really saw Golden State just like flushing shots, like looking good. Everybody was in rhythm. You got contributions from everybody. Because a lot of the other games you saw, you know, it was either Steph was hot, KD was hot, Clay was hot, but not all at the same time. That's the scariest part to me about the Golden State Warriors team. As good as they are, I think there's always another level that they can bump up to. And I feel like they would have delivered in those games, in those last couple games of that series, if they had to. Yes, it would have been more entertaining, 
but I still would have had the Warriors advance into the finals. So speaking of the Warriors, though, I mean, another one kind of, you know, below the radar type news because everybody assumed it was going to happen was Kevin Durant gets another discount and a one plus one deal uh, returning to the Warriors. I do think this is eye opening because, you know, not a long term deal. Is he setting up a chance to leave or is he setting up for the Supermax? I think everything is on the table in the NBA. When I look at Kevin Durant and I watch him play with his squad, I think he wants to see what else is going to happen. What happens with Clay Thompson, you know, in a couple of years? Uh, how, what other pieces are there? For some reason, you tell me if you think I'm crazy, Debo. I don't know if Durant still looks like he's having fun. And it's a weird thing to say. Like, I don't know if he's enjoying his time. Maybe it's me just being like, kind of dumb and just looking at facial expressions and stuff because, you know, he's winning championships. He looks pretty relieved when he wins. But I almost feel like there's a part of him that wants to prove to people that he can win without having to join the super team. So I feel like that's the that's the one aspect of Kevin Durant where I look at him saying, all right, I want to go somewhere else and prove that I don't need Steph Curry, that I don't need Klay Thompson, that I don't need Draymond Green that I could go out there and be the sole focal piece of a team and everybody could build around me. That's the one aspect of this re-signing that I say, oh, that could be interesting if Kevin Durant started to move on. It, it does seem like there is that perennial chip, that perennial weight on his shoulders, and maybe that's what propels him and leads him to be the NBA Finals MVP two years in a row. But I think he's signing up for the Supermax. Uh, it just makes most sense financially. We talk about LeBron's lifestyle in Los Angeles. I really think Durant's adopted the Silicon Valley lifestyle, adopting a bunch of brands, making a ton of money in the finance and investment world. I think that's big for Durant, actually. My thought is, tell me if you think this is crazy. I think LeBron's Lakers legacy depends on Klay Thompson and his decision at the end of 2019. Obviously not one of the top two players on that team, but one of the best shooters in the world. If you remove him... How much money he's willing to sacrifice in 2019, I think, plays a huge role in if LeBron's able to win titles in L.A. and how long that window is alive in L.A. Because the Warriors with Steph and KD, Iguodala will be 36 at that point. Draymond Green up for Supermax the year after that. A lot could depend on how much Klay Thompson is willing to sacrifice or if he's a guy that wants to prove himself. Uh, so you're suggesting that he would go to L.A., go play for his dad's old team, right? Possibly that, or just another team that has a ton another of cap option. space that is willing to I, offer him the max, which a team will. Yeah, for sure. But I think, see, I would love to see LeBron with Klay Thompson. Like, that's one of those moves where I think he's the perfect type of role player. How many times we see LeBron, you know, drive, forced issue, pulls up defenders, and he can dish out and needs that guy to knock down a critical three. I would love to see that happen. And, like, I would love to see the super team of the Warriors broken up because I think it'd be better for the NBA to see better competition. Uh, and I, So this, as far as sacrificing money, because that was a big conversation with Paul George and how much money he lost on by not staying in Indiana. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shock over the contract he signed in OKC and how much money he left on the table. When you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, right, like we're not talking about 20 or 30 million dollars. We're talking 140, 150, 200 million dollars. That's a lot of money where you could actually leave 20 or 30 million dollars on the table and you know where you can make it up. You can make it up in shoe money. You can make it up in endorsement money. You can make it up in China uh, in if you're Clay Thompson. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, the NBA is a global sport. So I think 
as much as it is, hey, to get the super max, to get the big deal, to get as much as you can from your team, the NBA, there's no better opportunity in any other sport, maybe soccer, where you can make more money off the field. So I think that, quote, sacrifice that you have to make giving up money can easily be made made up for in other ways, which is one of the reasons I thought uh, Kevin Durant, when he left OKC, I'm like, yeah, maybe he wouldn't make as much with Golden State earlier, but in the back, like he'll make that much money from Nike. He'll make it up off the court. So I think we need to start looking at decisions that way, where, yes, the money is important, but there are other ways that they can make it up off the court. Yeah, so I, I mean, I if that, that was the case, that every, plays a huge role. every player would play in Florida or Texas with no taxes or – uh, there, Darren right. Rovell came out and said, even by playing in Philadelphia, LeBron would have saved 11 million in taxes versus Los Angeles. But you, like you said, that opportunity is there exponentially more with other opportunities out there, uh, in LA. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it's, it's all, it's the revolving door that is the current, you know, setup in the NBA as we watch it take place. I mean, it is, I've said it's a soap opera. It's kind of as the world turns. Like, I don't know if you ever watched that Debo. It's probably before your time. I never watched it, but I'm familiar with it because they used to have the globe that was spinning on the intro, but that is Mm. the NBA. It's the current status. Like everything is on the table and it's just what star is going to go where. And I think it's fascinating. Again, I'll say it again. The product off the court right now is better than the on court the product uh in the nba until we see the super team broken up or we see somebody legitimately knock them off from their port so it should be fascinating to watch and it's great drama it is good entertainment uh and it's good for the sport so it'll be fun to watch how it plays out all right that's it for our free agent special thanks for checking us out uh our thoughts and prayers to uh, raja and his family as they're taking care of a family issue so hopefully we get him back as soon as possible Probably not back on Wednesday, but we will be back with a brand new episode. We're going to have John Anik join us. He's going to break down UFC 226 for us. Huge card this weekend. He's going to give us some insight on that and maybe even some betting tips so he can help make you some money. Uh, as always, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. <laughs>